0: It's not a matter of if, but when a crisis will rock your world. I'm Rashini Rajkumar, crisis strategist, licensed attorney, and host of The Crisis Files. My crisis squad and I are here to find solutions. Our suggestions are meant to empower you to handle your own crisis or prevent crises from happening. We do not provide legal, financial, medical, or PR advice for particular situations, but strongly recommend you seek out professionals to help your specific need. Today, I've got Crisis Squad member Jennifer Hellman with me. She is CEO of GovPublic. She's a public relations and reputation management professional who helps business and nonprofit clients, as well as Native American tribes, tell their stories. I call this case file owning your Twitterverse. You've likely heard of Elon Musk, world's wealthiest man with brands like Tesla and SpaceX. He's also the second largest owner of Twitter stock and inked a deal in April 2022 to buy Twitter. Now he wants out. Twitter is taking him to court to compel him to go through with the $44 billion purchase. A judge has set the trial date for October 2022. And by the way, Jen, they're fighting
1: about it on Twitter. They sure are, Roshini. This has been a fight that has been very public and with both sides of the parties airing their dirty laundry on Twitter for the whole world to see, which is interesting, right, when the company is Twitter itself and Twitter also becomes the conduit for them being able to talk to the Twitterverse about what's going on with the company. You know, it's interesting you have the world's richest man who develops a fascination with Twitter and the way that he thinks it should be, presenting uh offer to a company in just a few sentences to purchase the whole thing. They weren't intending on selling it was compelling enough that they had to take a look at it. It's interesting watching this play out and thinking about this company now being in a situation where they've gone from not even being for sale to really needing Elon Musk to purchase them now to be able to stay viable and forcing that sale on Twitter and letting it play out on their own platform.
0: Let's talk about staying viable because this is a publicly traded company. Stock price is going up and down based on even this squabble. Twitter, is, you know, possibly really harmed in that
1: possibility, this uncertainty that they can even remain intact. Right. And there's the old saying that no publicity is bad publicity. But I think you have to think about it in this case. If that was true, nobody would be paying money to hire crisis communications and public relations experts. There is bad publicity. And I think that this is probably harming both Twitter and Elon Musk in the process. And an interesting legal twist here is
0: that Twitter is seeking what's called specific performance. They want the sale to go through. They don't just want a settlement. They don't just want cash. They want this sale as originally inked to go through.
1: Well, of course they do, because as soon as this came out, their stock price started to drop. Originally, what looked like a fairly decent, compelling deal for both parties all of a sudden became a much better deal for Twitter. So they needed to go through. Plus, they're having a problem with retaining employees. They're being questioned about the viability of the numbers that they present. Ninety percent of Twitter's revenue comes from ad revenue. And now Elon Musk is coming out and accusing them of having a lot of the numbers of people that are seeing posts on Twitter being bots, not real accounts, and questioning the numbers that they've been presenting to advertisers. There's a degradation of trust that now is also depleting their stock price and their confidence in the product. Yeah, that original deal is looking good. I would be trying to compel that deal to go through too. Right. And the thing is, I love that you get
0: into the trust issue because whether you are the world's richest person or someone just trying to get by or newly into a manager role and you're trying to grow a business for yourself or for your company. Trust is really important. Let's use this as an opportunity to talk about why, when there is a lack of trust, we really are in a crisis just in the lack of trust. So regardless of what the optics are or the other legal issues, that's a crisis in itself.
1: There's plenty of information out there. There's an absolute information overload. The issue is, who are you going to believe? Who are you going to trust? Who are you actually going to listen to? There was a recent Pew research study that said three out of five Americans can't tell the difference between fact and opinion. And that is because we are getting so much information every day coming from very political and divisive forces. People tend to believe opinions of people who are like-minded with them and and take them as fact. We know that trust in the media is at an all-time low. Trust in the government is at an all-time low. But then there are people who have tremendous outsized influence, like Elon Musk, who, because of money... Power and the way that he communicates in a really straightforward, compelling way, I think there's more people likely to trust him than to trust media coverage of the story. It doesn't really matter where the information is coming from. If you don't have people who trust that the information that they're receiving is accurate, it's like you're not speaking to them at all.
0: So the judge has set the trial date for October 2022 set a five-day trial. I mean, there's a chance some kind of resolution could happen even before then. We don't need a trial. But from what I can tell, both sides are really digging in and they're ready for a fight. Jen, you've taught me about the concept the David versus Goliath, and in every PR crisis, there are those two roles to
1: fill. As I look at this, who's who? Who's David, who's Goliath? It's such a great question in this instance. To explain the David versus Goliath issue, David is the little guy. Goliath is the giant. And in every PR crisis, you have one or the other. The benefit of being David is you can say whatever you want. People tend to root for the underdog, trust the underdog more because they're not necessarily hiding behind lawyers and public relations professionals. So they're going to tell it like it is. The problem with being a Goliath in a story is that things take time. You do have to run things through your legal team. You do have to run things through your PR team. You have a lot more to lose. And often the Goliath is a large business. Many times the David is a person, a consumer who has been wronged by that business. And someone
0: we can all relate to someone and we, we can relate that to. And that
1: underdog, we want to win no matter what. I think in this situation, it can either be Elon Musk or Twitter who becomes the David. And this should be part of their strategy as they're thinking about positioning themselves. So what does Elon Musk have going for him that could make him the David? One, he's a single person, not a corporation, even though he comes with a very outsized brand. He Tweets to people directly on Twitter, making it seem very casual, relaxed. It feels like it's coming straight from him. So people tend to trust that that hasn't been siphoned through lawyers and messaging experts. He's also challenging authority, challenging the way that Twitter has been. There's been a lot of people who have felt they don't agree with the way that Twitter has moderated comments and dealt with misinformation on the site. And they like that he's taking them on. He's taking on an institution that people haven't always agreed with. So in that case, even though he has all the money and power in the world, he can still be seen as a David. I think that Twitter has an opportunity to position itself as the little guy. When they think about, okay, here's a company we were just doing our best, we've been making lots of improvements and progress over the last few years, we are a large employer, and this has completely upset the apple cart. Part of the reason our stock is falling is because of this deal that's going through, and that's harming a lot of shareholders and people who have invested in this concept. Think about all of our employees who have given so much to this company who now have very uncertain futures. Think about the progress that many in society and our government has wanted Twitter to make. And is this now going to ruin those years of progress? They have to look at not making themselves sound like a victim. But I think they could make themselves a case for seeming more like a David in this situation. You don't always have to be the David in order to have the upper hand, but I do think you have to understand the power dynamics at play and how people might be perceiving you before you go out with a strategy in your messages.
0: It's interesting that you say that. At different times, I find myself using the comparison. Sometimes I really feel like Twitter's the David. And sometimes it's hard for me to totally think Elon Musk is the David because he is such a powerful force. And he's also sometimes a reckless force who does things and tweets things. It's almost like a small child. But I'm really curious, you know, as a crisis strategist, I'm like, this is one where I'd love to work with either side of this as they try to resolve. So let's talk about the issues here. We've got all the PR issues that you've really nicely described, the open fighting on their own platform, as well as all the negative headlines across many platforms, the uncertainty as a public company. That's a problem for Twitter. Are there serious issues for Elon Musk other than that's $44 billion he's not going to have anymore? I don't
1: think so. If he was most anyone else, I would say yes. And there should be a strategy around it. But you brought up his recklessness. He's just crazy enough that he's brilliant. And that's why people like him. Because we know that people who come up with the kind of ideas that he has— have to be a little bit nuts. So in many ways, that's what we expect. He's got an incredible celebrity. This is why people follow celebrities on social media. This is why so much of the news that we watch on legitimate serious news channels is about celebrity gossip because people love the personalities around it. And I think he has enough money, power and influence that no matter what he does, he's going to still have people rooting for him and believing whatever he has to say because because also it's a little bit like the American dream, right, to be able to have these really big ideas and be just crazy enough to get them done.
0: Yeah. And the way he's lived, he's almost become like Teflon, bulletproof uh, to the world's criticism or anyone's criticism, or in this case now, the Twitter boards, you know, criticism and anger toward him. Well, it will be an interesting one to look at. Just another little legal note, Delaware law does allow companies to nullify mergers if a material Real adverse effect has occurred. Now, what Elon Musk is saying is there are all these fake accounts, bot accounts, th- things like this, and that's material to the value. But what Twitter is saying in the original agreement... There was no mention of the bots and the numbers and you didn't question it. And someone who's as savvy as Elon Musk and has the lawyers that Elon Musk did, frankly, when I first heard that he was bailing, it didn't make sense to me because you would have done all of that due diligence before you inked the deal in April of 2022. So that's where I can't feel sorry for him. Like, oh, now, wow, you want to pull out of this because that's a lot of effort to bring a deal like that together. So it will be very interesting to see how this plays out. What are some solutions that you could live with as someone who is a PR professional?
1: Well, I think... Twitter is going to have some work to do to be able to repair the relationship that it has with the people most important to it, namely advertisers and shareholders. And it would be great if some of that communication could play out not on its own platform, but direct communication in whatever mode that takes. There's so much noise out there. There's so many detractors. But companies in a situation like this need to get really clear about who is most important to them and make sure they're talking directly to them. Even if it has to be on a broad platform, those messages need to be with those most important people in mind. You're always going to have people who don't like companies, and that's okay. A big audience for them right now are their internal employees. There's a lot of fear and uncertainty about the future of that company. How are you going to keep your top performers, especially in a job market like it is right now? How are you going to, once you resolve over who's going to be owning Twitter, you better quickly articulate that vision for the future, both short term and long term, and motivate them to get on board or it's going to start to fall apart. Really great advice, and I also highly recommend
0: consistency and transparency. So once you decide what is our message, you've got to be consistent with it And Transparent in how you put that out there both to those internal employees as you point out as well as those of us who are just out there using the platform. I've got to admit my Twitter use has definitely gone down because in 2009 when I became a Twitter user and I little by little grew it to where I have it now. I loved Twitter but the last year or so I've really questioned Twitter. Because it seems like it's just a lot of snarky stuff. No one's trying to do anything positive or very few people are. Or when they are, they get brought down and people try to cancel them. So I think that's a real problem right now. The very future of Twitter was already a little bit on the edge. And so the Elon Musk angle and this purchase and this deal falling through and now we need to be in court about it. Those are all things that any brand, Twitter or any brand, need to think about. You've got to stay consistent and be transparent with those audiences you care about because consumers will see through that. People that are supposed to trust you when you behave badly, they see through that. And then when the trust is gone, as you've so beautifully pointed out, you don't have much left. That's right. All right. Well, lots of stuff here. Definitely one to stay tuned. Maybe we'll have to have a new case file on this one moving down the line. Thanks to Crisis Squad member Jennifer Hellman for her sage advice. Today's Crisis Brief brought to you by Spoke 612 Productions. Number one, trust matters. Number two, transparent and concise communication is critical to building trust. Number three, Are you David or Goliath in the situation? Knowing how you are perceived is key to creating your appropriate message. Spoke 612 Productions takes your ideas and brings them to life. Linda, Sarah, and Matt are committed to excellence and inclusivity. As a WeBank-certified women-owned production company, Spoke 612 inspires awareness and delivers impact through storytelling. When you put your project in their hands, Spoke 612 draws on their own talents and experience to ensure they tell the best possible version of your story. Visit their portfolio at Spoke612.com. Thank you to my podcast co-producer, Tom Hamilton of Undertone Music. Want us to weigh in on your crisis? Email me, Roshini at RoshiniGroup.com. R-O-S-H-I-N-I at RoshiniGroup.com. I'm Rashini Rajkumar. Join me next time on The Crisis Files.